Let's say a word of prayer. Father, we come in Jesus' name grateful that you have um, shown us steadfast love. That your, your mercies are new every morning. That your faithfulness is great. That our joy cannot be stolen. Father, that our peace cannot be stolen. Lord, that you are good and you reveal that in your son. You are good and that you reveal it in the way that you have planned this world to know you, Father. Lord, let us rest in, rest in your abiding love. But at the same time, Father, let us hold unswervingly to where you are calling us, Father. At varying points, it may be challenging. At varying points, it may be difficult. But we trust that you are good and we trust on where you're guiding us, Father. We pray as we read your word, as we hear your word, that you would speak to us through your spirit, that you would speak to us through fellowship, and that we would continually figure out and know what it means to walk in the way of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so I've shared this on many occasions, but prior to me becoming a Christian following Jesus, making Jesus Lord, I used to go to nightclubs religiously. I was in nightclubs four, sometimes five times a week, and sometimes on one Saturday, I would visit two, maximum three nightclubs on a a Saturday. Now, you would think someone who likes visiting nightclubs as much as I do would like dancing, but I didn't. I had my two moves, you know, the head nod. (laughs) When you really like it, you put your finger out, like, point at the DJ. And I barely, I barely, even back then, I barely used to drink alcohol. I would usually have a cup of water, but I held it as if it was alcohol with the other people around us. Just like, just walk back and forth to the bar, can you fill it up with more water? And then come back, hang out. And... Dancing is just one of those things, it it requires a rhythm. It requires consistency. And there are people in this world who were born to dance. You ask them to run an hour on a treadmill, they may not be able to do it. Say dance for three hours, they would not even sweat, man. They would just be there and they would keep going. One of the things... um, my, my, the day I got married was a very interesting day. There were a lot of memorable events on that day. For anyone who was present, they remember some of those memorable events. Um, some, some events I try to forget, but it's just, it's just ingrained in my mind. <laughs> um, but a lot of people often approach me, and they don't remember anything else I said in my vows. But they said, hey, didn't you vow to dance more with Julian? That comes up all the time, surprisingly. I said a lot of other amazing things about how I'm going to love my wife, how I plan on serving her. But that phrase right there, several people have approached me in the last nine, almost nine years of being married to Julian about whether or not I plan on keeping that and am I keeping it. So did I do a great job? Probably not. But me and the brother were talking and I was sharing with him just my heart to want to honor my wife. And he's like, man, he just started dating a, a, a young lady. And I was like, you know what I want to do? I want to encourage my wife. She loves dancing. And then so we started looking at different things. And then we found a salsa place. And, you know, South Florida. 
You know, Latin culture. And I've seen salsa at weddings. I've seen salsa everywhere. I'm like, we could do salsa. And then they had a requirement that it wouldn't last more than an hour and 15 minutes. I was like, praise God that ends right there. And so Julian and I and this other couple, we go to the um, salsa dancing place. And I'm thinking, we're about to get loose, man. You know, I I got my two moves. Bam, bam, bam. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready with my two moves. And you know what? We did the two moves. We did the two moves. We did the two moves. 40 minutes into it, we're still doing the two moves. And then he added one spin. And then I'll step back in. And then Jules will step in. And then we would, uh, uh. And I was like, I remember going to the guy. So when are we going to learn the rest of the stuff? He's like, this is what you're going to do for the next two weeks if you keep coming back. He's like, there is a process. And then they showed us one quick sample of what they were like. And so they went like, Super sane on us. They went, and you're like, wow. And they're like, eventually you could dance like that. But you had to be consistent. Now, was I consistent? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Why do I share that? You know, a big part of Christianity is a lot like learning how to dance. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's Sometimes you could watch someone else further along in their journey and you're like, I want to pick up where they are. And you're like, there's actually a lot of things you need to do to kind of get to where they are. I have seen in my own life, it takes repetition of the same movement over a repeated time to finally learn and get something. And again, I only learned two moves for an hour and 15 minutes and it was massively uncomfortable after a while. And yet, I think if I would have stayed with it, I might be a salsa champion. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) You know, the purpose of today's message is to explain what Jesus is looking for in his apprentice, what it means to follow Jesus, and how to faithfully live that out. It is a long obedience in the same direction. The the reading that Fred read is is, um, a big summary of what Jesus is concluding right here in Luke chapter 6. Let's pick up in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings out good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speak what the heart is full of. What is your apprenticeship saying about your life? What is you following Jesus right now saying about your life? As you look, as, as you look at your own life, as you look at people observing your walk with Christ, what is this saying about the relationship and the covenant that you have with the living God? You see, he, he points out two type of students. Now, there's really uh, degrees of gray when it comes to following Jesus, honestly. But there's two types of students, good fruit, bad fruit. The good fruit will bring out good fruit. The bad fruit, will, uh, the bad tree will bring out bad fruit. You see, Jesus is comparing, Jesus compares the obedience to his teaching to trees that bear fruit. Jesus is talking to his hearers. That's the audience. So this isn't people who aren't following Jesus and who don't ever want to follow Jesus. This are people who gathered around and like, okay, we're really interested. And he's like, okay, if you're really interested in following me, then your fruit will show it. You know how 
alarming it would be if I went to a mango tree and I found a watermelon? <laughs> I'd be disappointed because I actually don't like watermelon. And I love mangoes. It would be like the most discouraging thing in the entire world. Jesus is saying when my followers are following me, they should bear the fruit that represents who I am. That's the expectation when we would engage with Jesus. You know, this is one of those teachings. There's two types. There's several types of people. But some of us, when we talk about obedience, when we talk about following Jesus, you're like, yes, I want to just tell us that we just need it. The Bible says it. That settles it. Forget it. You want to be that sort of person. And others of us were like, where is it going to go with obedience, man? I don't know. What's this? Like someone's going to start judging my walk with God and there's some anxiety. And I just want to tell you, the same scriptures that talk about the grace, mercy, love and kindness and patience of God also talks about the obedience of God. And it's very important that we're faithful in our representation of what the scriptures teach. And so Jesus is going to judge us based off of our deeds. Not based off what we believe. He's like, a good tree will bear good fruit. A good tree won't believe good fruit. A good tree will bear good fruit. The strength of the Christian community is in the deeds. You know, we stand out by how we live, funny enough. No one is out there, at least last I've seen, taking a doctrinal test on what we believe when we're out on Congress Street. Like, hey, you're a Christian? Let's take a doctrinal test right now. No, they're really looking at how you live or how you're not living. Jesus says the good man brings out the good things, but the bad man brings out the bad things. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. How is Jesus connecting this idea of fruit to this good man bringing good things to the bad man bringing bad things? And the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know, what we talk about reveals a lot about us. What we engage in conversation reveals so much about us. True story. Not that other stories weren't true. But this is, <laughs> but this is really, it was interesting. So, there is a place called Toys R Us. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it. Yes. Okay, we have. Okay, that's up here. I, I never seen one up here. Um, no joy in Maine. They, they closed down up here. They're still down in Florida, you see. Um, Anyhow, there's a, there's a Toys R Us. The Toys R Us in my area was right across the street from um, a liquor store, an adult store, and a workout aerobics store. And then they created this new taco spot in this area. So we were all playing basketball at the local park that I grew up with. And one of the guys, we were all in, in, in our, like, Julie and I weren't married yet, so it's when I went down for a vacation. And one of the guys we were hanging out with wasn't from the area, and he said, hey, I want to go to um, the Toys R Us to get my kids something. I said, I'll bring them a souvenir. Let's go to the Toys R Us. In that moment, how they all describe how to get to the Toys R Us said a lot. The guy, the first guy said, oh, it's across the street from the adult store. And I'm like, I'm not sure if there's an adult store. It's definitely near the new taco spot. I'm like, once you find the taco spot, you'll see the Toys R Us. The fittest one of all of us is near that new aerobic spot. It's right there. I'm like, there's no aerobic spot there. I'm like, that is not even in the area. So we go back and forth, and then we all decide to go on a ride to see what's actually in the area. Well, it turned out we were all right. But what did we fix our eyes on? 
What did we see? I saw food. <laughs> the other fitness guy saw fitness. The other guy saw something else. When you talk about your covenant with Christ, what are you talking about? It's Christianity this burden, like, oh, I got to do this Christian stuff. Or is it, wow, I wake up, his mercies are new every morning, great is his faithfulness. What we talk about exposes the fruit that we're going to bear. If you're like, I dread, I dread even reading the scriptures so you don't ever talk about the scriptures, you actually miss out on opportunity to see God work in a meaningful way. Dallas Willard says the Sermon on the Plain is a statement of the life we live when the Holy Spirit is getting his way with us. When some of us were hearing Fred read the Sermon on the Plain, did that feel you with joy? Did that feel you with dread? Love your enemy. Oh, I got a thousand and one enemies. I got to love all of them, and they're all on Twitter. I actually got no enemies on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not even on Twitter. But I suspect if I was, maybe people would hate me. Um, you know, do not judge. Maybe you love judging. You love walking in and just being like, the church ain't this and the church ain't that. And the church. And he's like, do not judge. And you're like, oh, Jesus, why? What's up with you telling me not to judge? Maybe the teachings on blessed are the poor. You're like, ooh, that goes against the American dream right there. When you heard the Sermon on the Plain read, did you hear like, man, that's life and life to come? Or did you just fill yourself up with dread? That will determine what fruit you bear. If the teachings of Jesus just made you shrink, then obviously you're not going to be the person who bears the good fruit. Now, there is room and there is space to be able to be like, God, I trust you overall, but that teaching is really tough. And that's where the Holy Spirit, encouragement, time and maturity will help you. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you kind of have to follow Jesus. I think sometimes we think we can like Jesus and not have to follow Jesus, and that works just as well. Jesus' expectation is that we would follow him. It's a long obedience in the same direction. The longer we are in Christ, the more, in theory, we should be like Christ. This overall teaching is a response to the Sermon on the Plain. To be characterized by these teachings in this context is the fruit he's talking about. So will you bear fruit? Everything we just read in the Sermon on the Plain is like, that's the fruit I'm looking for. Will you be this sort of person? Now, we need virtue to become that sort of person. And by the mercy and grace of God, he provides it. Let's go to Galatians 5, to 23. We need virtue. Virtue is that stuff that, that allows you to experience moral excellence. Galatians 5.22, many of us are familiar with 19 through 21. Like, you probably have that tattooed on your forearm. But I would encourage you to get 22 and 23 tattooed as well right under it if you do. Galatians 5.22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no laws. The Sermon on the Plain is really challenging apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever given that teaching to anyone, I mean, all of us in here with the Holy Spirit, it's feel like this is challenging. This is not simple. And yet Christ has called us to it. And I would argue the missing element is the presence of the Spirit that equips us. Very simply, the Spirit is unembodied 
personal presence. Think about that. Unembodied personal presence. Like this is God's personal presence in an unembodied form working in you to become the person Christ is calling you to be. Because the scriptures teach God is spirit. John 4, 24. God is spirit. Now, I want, I'm going to just help you guys understand what I mean by un, un, unembodied um, presence by giving us some other unembodied presence that are not necessarily personal. They're not personal at all, prayer, prayerfully in your life. Electricity is unembodied presence. Like electricity doesn't have a body. It just flows. And prayerfully, you never get to experience that flow. <laughs> Magnetism. If you've ever been near a magnet, it just does what it does. It magnetizes. Gravity. I just learned the other day in community group, gravity may not even be a real thing, but I'm just going to say it anyway. <laughs> gravity just drops. <laughs> Our community group, we just started talking about uh, theory of relativity. How did we get there? I don't know. I blame Mark. <laughs> but now I, had, I already had that gravity piece already thought of, and then he's like, it doesn't exist. So I'm like, hey. I thought it did, and it will, <laughs> depending on the perspective. You know, I just blew your minds. That's how I felt. You know, if you're going to like, are we even questioning where the gravity is? It's out there. Like, there's a lot of information out there about that, funny enough. Um, the Spirit provides these virtue in us. This is God's empowering presence. These virtues enable us to live as faithful Apprentices of Jesus. Let's keep reading. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hear my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck, that, ho that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus shares, shares this parable with two realities. How, what are you going to build your house on? And when, when, they, when the scriptures talk about house, they're talking about what are you going to build your spiritual foundation on? Is it going to be not on the belief in Jesus' teachings, but in the practices of Jesus' teachings? I think a lot of us believe Jesus' teachings. We show up every Sunday because I think we believe Jesus' teachings. But are we going to practice Jesus' teachings? You know, Jesus, funny enough, he puts a unique emphasis on his teaching that no one else up until this point has ever did. Most people, most, most rabbis in this time would have been like, if you listen to the teachings of Moses, if you follow the ways of Moses, if you listen to someone else a little bit more preeminent, preeminent than me, Jesus saying my teachings are a solid foundation. It will be able to help you through any storm. See, in this story right here, someone's going to come up to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, and Lord is a title for great respect. Now, in this context, they're not necessarily using it the way they would use it of God. It's just more of a title of respect. But Jesus is saying, man, if you're going to call me Lord, then you need to give my teachings your allegiance. You need to give my person your allegiance. Jesus is our Patreon. You know, a Patreon gives you something, gives you and trusts you with money so you could do the thing. And they want you to be faithful with it. And his teachings is how we do it. You know, the crowds are called followers. And I think that 
that, that, that term is used loosely. All of us have varying points. No matter where we are, have followed Jesus wholeheartedly. And other times we follow Jesus just zigzagging, trying to make sure that we don't fall along the way. But Jesus calls that we follow him. And over the long, obedient direction of faithfully following Jesus, we become more and more like Jesus. So I, I had the unfortune and fortune of not growing up in the church. There's, there's a lot of good reasons that me not growing up in the church has been helpful, which I'm going to share. But there's also a lot of things I wish I did grow up around spiritual people that would have helped my life. One of the blessings. The first time I encountered the Bible, you know what I thought I had to do with it? Obey it. I know when you grow up in church, sometimes you see how people respond to the Bible. And so you wonder if it's supposed to be obeyed or not, especially if you see bad examples. You could easily sit in and be like, oh, yeah, I used to go with my family all the time. And then we would go home and act like we didn't just hear anything that was said. And so, you know, you get trained to not listen to the Bible. When I encountered the scriptures at 20, I remember Jesus saying, practice, obey, follow. I was like, whoa, we got to do a lot. I even had, unfortunately, someone tell me we really ain't got to do that. And I thought they were mature, so I was like, whoo, thank goodness, get that off my back. <laughs> now I've since kept reading and I realized that person was wrong and they still love Jesus and hopefully they figure that out. Let's go to Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel's kind of in the middle of the Bible. Kind of. It's like after um, Jeremiah. If you open up the middle of your Bible, you're going to get either Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel. So this goes straight middle. If you're using your phone or whatnot, it's E-Z-E. That's going to be the initials in your phone. E-Z-E. 33. E-Z-E if you're using your phone. And if you're not doing either or, listen to the word of God. Ezekiel 30, as for you, son of man, your people are talking together about you by the wall at the doors of the house saying to each other, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Verse 30. Let's do it one more time. Verse 30, Ezekiel 33, verse 30. As for you, son of man, the son of man is Ezekiel, not Jesus. As for you, son of man, your people are talking together about you by the wall and at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them, you are nothing more than one who sings Love songs with, be- with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. When all this comes true, and surely it will, they will know that a prophet has been among them. What's going on here in Ezekiel's time? He is telling the, the exiles that he's talking to the story of Jerusalem is coming to a conclusion. They're going to be, um, the rest of Jerusalem is going to be exiled into Babylon. And it's going to go from bad to worse if we don't change while we're here in Babylon. The people are coming like, hey, let's go listen to Ezekiel. He's about to tell us about ourselves, but we're actually not going to change. They're like, he, he, he sounds like an R&B singer. Who's your favorite R&B singer? Bruno 
I don't know who. I don't want to know who. Actually, I might judge you. <laughs> I might judge you. But they're like listening to him. Your favorite love singer. He's like, they're like, if you read Ezekiel chapter 1 to 30, he's saying some really tough stuff. He's saying some really challenging stuff. But God says, man, you know what the people are doing to you? They're sitting at your feet. You think you have a solid audience, but they're really not practicing what they're hearing. You see, there's a difference between hearing and practicing. And again, I really don't want us to lose sight of grace and lose sight of mercy. But the idea is we are supposed to practice what we believe in the teachings of Jesus. We are called to obedience in the teachings of Jesus. The house of obedience can withstand a storm. That's what Jesus says. If you put my teachings into practice, the storm. Now, there is a big picture theology happening here. The storm is the last day when things get challenging. You'll be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But there's day-to-day situations. If you have faithfully tried to follow Jesus, short-term, it may look like you have taken L's. Long-term, you start to see like, man, the teachings of Jesus actually rescued me. Even if initially it felt like a defeat. One of the things I love about our fellowship, and I get it, we went too far. There was, we went way too far. We had this thing, the Berean Challenge, where I remember one of the things that secured me when I first came to this fellowship was everyone kind of went back to the Bible. Now, where we went too far. People felt guilty, man. Like, you didn't read your Bible. You felt like you weren't a Christian. You only read for 10 minutes. Someone was like, you had a 10-minute quiet time. What's wrong with you? You're burning. And you're like, whoa, I got, how long I got to read this thing? They're like, you get two hours at least. And you're like, wow, man, that's a part-time job. <laughs> and you, there, there was that overreaction. But then I think we swung the pendulum way too far where it's like asking anyone to read the Bible and if they're reading the Bible is viewed as legalistic. Can we kind of get in the good, good medium where this is something we are blessed. Most of us have the Bibles on our phone. I wouldn't recommend reading it on your phone unless you turn off notifications. <laughs> I have found myself reading my Bible on my phone, a notification hit, and the next thing you know, I'm deep in the web of what's going on with Amazon's money. And I'm like, <laughs> I was trying to read Matthew, and now I know how much Amazon is making and not paying people because of notifications. So I would encourage you to use a paper Bible. But if you are strong, you are, you are built like a rock, then use your phone. But I know for me, those notifications send me in a rabbit trail that I don't care to go on. But I think we, we, we swung the pendulum. Can we get back to a healthy habit of reading the scriptures? If you miss it because you woke up at the wrong time, it's been a crazy day. Walking, grace, Jesus loves you. But how do we factor it in? How do we put it in? To our given day. That requires us to be intentional. The Berean challenge. I think sometimes we listen to speakers like me or we listen to podcasts sometimes without actually going back to the Bible. And I think that needs to be just ingrained in us. That doesn't mean we don't listen to speakers. That don't mean we don't read spiritual books. That don't mean we... But just read the Bible in addition to. Maybe not in addition to. Maybe first. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go back to these things, and if they are in line, amen. If not, amen. Yeah. You see, the house of the disobedient, it collapsed because that house is filled with people who are short-sighted. They reject the teachings of Jesus. They may love Jesus. Obviously, they're following him. They may even be like, oh, this is good. But they actually really don't plan on obeying him because at times the teachings of Jesus can make us 
Um, it can, can cause trouble for our lives, honestly. And yet we know big picture where it's leading us. Big picture where it's guiding us. So I just said a lot. The, the, the premises obey. But how do we do it? That's the hard part. Some of you, 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 if I said bench 500 pounds, maybe only Iggy could do it. I think everyone else in here, you try to touch 500 pounds, even if you're filled with faith, right? That thing ain't moving. You move it. It just isn't going to happen, right? Like, it, 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 you have to develop that muscle. Obedience, I, I, I used to think, man, if I see it, I'm just going to go ahead and obey it. I used to think it was that simple. Now I understand why Jesus says, follow me, right? <laughs> He's like, I actually, I'm showing you how to do it. I'm not, Jesus just didn't give us a whole bunch of laws. We got the gospel in narrative so we can understand how to follow him. Yeah. Compounding righteousness. I was a finance major. Okay. Compounding interest. Anyone know what that is? Yeah. Come on. I'm about to break it down for some of you who don't know. Okay. <laughs> Many of you in here have a 403B or 401K. I have a 403B. Many of you have a 401K. And let's just say at 20 years old, you were the most responsible 20-year-old in the entire world. Let's just go 18. You were super responsible. You got your first job at Dunkin' Donuts. You know, you were making those large coffee cups. And you said, hey, I want to take a small percentage of my money, 5%, and put it in my 401K. You've been doing that. And in every occupation you moved and that percentage went up. Over time, you're like, hey, if you just put X amount of money, by the time you're 60, your financial advisor is going to walk up to you like you are set for life. In fact, you will die with a surplus of $2 million and you could give that to your kids or you could donate to your favorite charity. And you're like, how is that possible? I never even put that much money in there. And they would say compounding interest. Your money was gaining interest, and then we added interest to the money you were gaining. And you're like, whoa, this is amazing. Now, the challenge is most of us don't put money in there until we got kids. <laughs> and then you're like, hey, someone got to leave something for this guy. And then you, you, you try to catch up. And so all these guys, when they're in their 60s, they come up, start saving now. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then as soon as you walk out, you're like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. And then, but compounding interest. Righteousness is the same way. It is the same exact way. You start off with a little bit of righteousness. Maybe you only obey Jesus because it's the right thing to do. Some people call it raw obedience. He says, forgive. And you're like, I don't want to forgive. I hate this person. Jesus says, forgive. Okay, I forgive you. And your heart is still whatever, but that's moving you in the right direction. Maybe you're like, I love money. Money, money, money. He's like, do not be a lover of money. You're like, but I love money. Money, I love it, I love it. You just say, you know what, today I'm going to do one little thing that's, that, that's opposite of me loving money. And you start building on it. We're going to look at your Christianity the first year and say, man, it looked like the Holy Spirit has not worked deeply in your life. We're going to be a little disappointed. You're going to be a little disappointed. Over 20 years, you're going to be like, this person hates money. And you're like, what? Not believable. I know them. They love money. I want to share. I didn't get their permission, so hopefully they're not mad at me. I want to share about my brother Connor. I actually meant to, I actually meant to talk to him in the pre-meeting, but I didn't get around to it. I was, I was so if he gets mad at me, he needs to practice forgiving his enemy. 
<laughs> so, Connor is one of the most generous people I know. He's just generous. He, he's generous. He, he'll give, he'll, you, you sit with him, he'll offer you this, he'll offer you that, he'll offer you this. You need a ride, he'll give you a ride, he'll be there. He's just really generous. Like, it, it's, it's not really a challenge for him to give. It is just natural. Like an opportunity to give shows up, he wants to give. He is working his generosity muscle. He is working that muscle consistently. Kendra, same as well. She gives. So there was a situation where someone needed to get to Arizona and they were in Maine. And they called me for advice, both of them. And I'm thinking, I think I'm, I'm not, I, I don't think anyone would say I'm ungenerous. But I'm definitely not Jesus level generous, right? Which is the goal. I think these guys are further along in their apprenticeship in generosity. So I share, hey, you could probably do this and you could do that. And then they could kind of take it from there, which is good advice, I think. Connor and Kendra grab this dude from God knows where in Maine, bring him to the airport in Boston, pays for his ticket, and he flies back to Arizona. And they did that for treasures in heaven. They didn't know I was going to share that. And I remember talking to them. I'm like, wow. And the only thing that came to my mind was the parable of Good Samaritan. I'm like, dude, whoa. I'm like, wow, that's just radical generosity all through. I'm like, that is life changing, dude. Like, really? And at no point there was no external pressure. No one would say, you better do this. It is because he has trained his muscle in generosity. That when it became time for him to be like Jesus, it was easy money. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it was easy money. Now, obviously, he's not the wealthiest member in this congregation. Maybe that's not obvious. He's not. <laughs> but the compounding interest, he, he's ahead of us. He could do the compounding interest. He's really young, so he can catch up to everyone here and blow them out. But that radical generosity, sometimes we think, if I have X amount of money, if I have X amount of time, then I can do that. Mm-hmm. But it is a muscle that they were developing. Yeah. Last example. I used to have in my repertoire violence as conflict resolution. And at some point, you talk too much, I get violent. You offend me, I get violent. Now, there has not been any violence in my life in the last... 15 years, which is encouraging, right? Now, 15 years removed from that situation, I actually cringe at violence. I'm just like, why why, why, why did it go there? And I'm like, why? I remember just saying to myself, there were some kids in my community that got into a fight recently here. And I was like, why did it go there? Why did these kids fight? Like, oh, I wish they could. I'm like, crazy. The Holy Spirit has done a good work in my life. That now I cringe at that, where before I'm like, oh, it must have gotten to the point where someone had to be put in their place. Compounding righteousness. I can't tell you the day I woke up and said, this is cringe. But I have been practicing nonviolent tendencies over the last 15 years in so many different ways, from apologizing to learning how to share my feelings and learning how to um, process what I'm feeling, talking things out, even if it's difficult. And realizing that that isn't, I don't want to dishonor Jesus in that way. Galatians 5, I mean Galatians 6, 
verse 7. Galatians 6, verse 7. We want to have a compounded righteousness. So how do we become how do we become the sort of people who are obedient? We start little and we continue to build on it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh reaps destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. What are you sowing to? Are you sowing to the ways of the spirit or are you sowing to the ways of the flesh? One will lead to eternal life, a quality of life in the here and now, and one will lead to destruction. You have to be very mindful of what you're sowing to. Now, the question is to what end? Why do we do this? Remember that this is about bringing heaven on earth. That's what it means to be a kingdom citizen. The Portland community changing our community for God's glory, reconciling all things to himself. This is our partnership in that work with him. If we become people who consistently sold to the spirit and it's an accrued interest that bears much fruit over time. This is a quote from Dallas Willard, so it's not my central claim, but I just couldn't fit Dallas Willard in the slide, so (laughs) it's not my central claim. (laughs) It's not. It is. My central claim is that we become like Christ by doing one thing, by following him in the overall style of his life. He chose for himself. If we have faith in Christ, we must believe that he knew how to live. We can, through faith and grace, become like Christ by practicing the type of activities he engaged in by arranging our whole lives around the activities he himself practiced in order to be in order to remain constantly at home in the fellowship of his father. A long obedience in the same direction. The longer we are faithful to Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. Faithful, meaning I'm practicing what he's calling me. Earlier, once we kicked off this series, I said, let's read the gospel. Of Luke. Let's keep reading it while you're reading it. Pay careful attention to what Jesus does before he teaches, what Jesus does before he does a miracle, and you'll find some secrets in there on how to become the sort of person Jesus was. When Jesus chooses solitude, when he comes out, how patient is he? How ready is he to respond to interruptions? When Jesus chooses to go to a guest house to eat, how ready is he to be gracious and ready to be kind and all the necessary things? What was he doing right before he went to the guest house to eat? Pay attention. How often was scripture on his heart? His habits of fasting, worship, and even minimalism. Pay attention to the outcome. He brought the kingdom and he did it in the long obedience in the same direction. From head to muscle memory. What I shared earlier about Connor and Kendra shared about my violence. There was never a moment I said, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. It just kind of happened at some point. Like it just kind of it wasn't like at some point it moved from a conscious decision to it just started happening. And this is what it means. The longer we're in Christ, we start to experience this muscle memory. How many of you have driven and not paid too deep attention to what you're doing and you find yourself home? You know, you're looking and you're like, whoa, I'm here. <laughs> like, I got in the car over here and instantly I'm parked in front of my place and you're like, I guess I'm here. Your body is paying attention to everything and you just are so used to that journey that you know how to get there. You know, Teresa of Avila calls this, 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 this building of the interior castle. She says that it is a slow process, but it's one that God is trying to fill each house with himself. So the interior of your heart 
he's trying to fill with himself. It is the good news of the kingdom that we're talking about here. How do we live into that good news? And it's in the person of Jesus. That Jesus is offering us eternal life. When I use eternal life, I'm not talking about where we go when we die simply, but I'm talking about the quality of life he wants to give his followers today in the present. This abundant life. What Jesus is showing us is how do I image God to the world? And we are all made in the image of God. How do we image that to the world? By imitation of Jesus. So as Christians, we're not just forgiven, but we're clothed with the spirit of Christ for our transformation to his glory, to bring his kingdom here on Portland. So what was the purpose of today's message? It's to explain what Jesus is looking for in his apprentice, people who are obedient, people who are bearing fruit, and how we faithfully do it, the compounded righteousness. So there's some material that I've been using to help me study this more deeply. I'm going to send it to your community group leaders to send it to you. So if you're interested, it's from really intensive stuff to really simple stuff. But I give it to you guys if you're interested in just deeper study and everything else in between there. 